Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Don't, don't accept you. Just want you to look up to the Lord. Father, right now, just thank you for Duncan. Father, I pray for the power of your spirit to come upon him. The Lord wants you to know that this is a year of transition and of change. The Lord opens a door of enlargement, a door of increase, a door of release. The Lord says, as you look to him, he's going to begin to reposition you this year. He's going to move some things away. He's going to move things, some things towards you. The Lord says, this is a year of enlargement and of increase. Father, let that spirit of increase come upon him now. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Quick, come, come. Both of you, both, 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 both. Lord says, you've been faithful in the house. You've been faithful to learn, faithful to grow, faithful to serve. You've stood in the heat of the battle and you've retained loyalty and integrity. And the Lord says he will promote you. Prepare for increase. Prepare for enlargement. And the enlargement's going to come in different dimensions. There's going to come spiritual enlargement in the realm of the spirit of seeing, of hearing, of encountering. There's going to come financial enlargement. There's going to come ministry enlargement. And there's going to come enlargement of favor. The Lord says today he's opening the heavens over your life. Woo! Oh! There they come. Don Lynn, quick. God wants to enlarge you. Father, we just thank you. The Lord says a spirit of parenting comes upon you to be a father and a mother in the house. Don't limit. Don't say, I can't or I don't have much or I don't, I'm not spiritual. I can't do this. I can't do that. The Lord says, draw of the wells of experience you've had over 20 years and begin to release what you've got into the lives of the next generation. And you're going to find these next years will be the busiest, most productive, most fruitful of your lives. God is going to increase and increase and increase. Your home, your house, your physical house has been a place where it's been a family place where you've not only had your family, but you've had others' families. And you've brought young ones in. you bought this one, that. And loss is going to increase and increase. going to be an enlarging of your gathering and a favor of your life. In just a moment, God's going to bring a spirit over your life, anointing over your life. It's going to bring great favor, great favor. And it's going to increase your strength. You're going to find yourself feeling younger, feeling more vital, feeling more alive. It's like you say, God, we, we're just in the right place. You can look around at people and you say, what is wrong with you? Why, 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 what are you sitting down for? Why are you, well, you're not time to retire yet. Come on, we're in our second wind. We're really going for it now. You're going to be an inspiration to younger and to older. And you're going to impart to both. And now the Lord's going to bring an anointing on you. Watch, he's going to come in a moment. I see heaven. to be in the presence of the living God. Shelly and Shane, quickly come on up here. Just come. Ooh, just come. Just come. Just lift your hands up to the Lord. God's going to begin to open the seeing realm for you. Going to begin to see things. And I, I sense the Lord saying as He shows you new things, you begin to see things. You got to learn not be careful who you talk to. Some things God's going to show you that's just for yourselves. Some things God's going to show you which is for prayer and intercession and travail. And there's some things God's going to show you which are to be shared with people. God's going to show you people as you pray. I see you in your home and it's like you're worshiping, you're waiting on God. And I have a sense that there's a lot of this goes on. Hours of it seems to go on. You sometimes wonder whether it's all worthwhile. But the Lord says this is the season when it's going to begin to produce its fruit. This is the season when it's going to start to produce something that's going to touch other people. You won't have to strive or struggle, but you're just going to find there'll become a flow. A flow of acceptance to you both, a flow of healing to you both, and then a flow of enlargement to you both. There it is now. Thank you, Lord. Let that mantle just come now. Whoosh! Come over her life. There it is. Sometimes there's a time delay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Father, touch him. I see God raising you up to, to teach the Word of God. But this is not the time for that. This is the time for study. 
This is the time to be alone with God. This is the time of brokenness. This is the time of preparation. Release that anointing into his life, Lord. There it is. The ability to teach. The ability to line upon line lay out the word of God and to connect it to spiritual realities. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stay there. Stay there. Mark, God's just going to touch you. I just feel the Lord saying that you're going to come in, in this next six months into an encounter with Him. It's like you've been hungering and preparing your heart, but you're going to come into a season of encounter with Him. As you just don't get too busy, just get alone with Him in prayer, worshiping Him, loving on Him. I believe God's wanting to bring you into an encounter with his fatherhood. An encounter of the immense depths of his love. And it's going to bring a softening and a mellowing inside you. God's going to, in this year, just suddenly expand your influence. By the end of this year, you'll know that God has not only touched your life very deeply and changed, you're never going to be the same. It's like you're in natural transition, but you're in spiritual transition as well. And what's going to happen, you're going to carry something in the spirit. You'll carry a weight of authority in the spirit. And as you go out into the nations, you're going to carry fire. You're going to be amazed what God does. Don't look at your natural ability. Just enter into the season of seeking God, preparing your heart for enlargement. It's coming on you. Now, just what God's going to do in a moment, yeah, it's going to be a good night for the rest of the service for you. Just hold her up, hold her up, hold her up. It hasn't come yet. She's very sensitive, so she gets touched. We just wait on the Holy Ghost. Just stay on your feet till you feel the Holy Ghost. You just suddenly come. And then what I want you to do is just don't try to get up, just to stay there listening and looking. You won't have to do anything else. Thank you, Lord. Ooh. Ooh, there it is, just a mantle out of heaven. Just come on alive. Stay down there. We feel your presence here today, Lord. We count it a privilege to be in the house. Counted to be a privilege to be a part of what you're building. We don't understand it all, but we understand we have a great destiny together in you. Help us to keep our eyes not on the obstacles, but on you. Amen. You love the Lord today? Great presence of God. Why don't we give the Lord a clap? Oh. Praise the Lord. I got lost. Lost the page. That's right with us. It's offering time. There we go. <laughs> not easy to call. Just David Clapp to help him, but not easy to follow that. <laughs> it's actually quite appropriate if you just actually still your hearts. Because we come to offering time and, you know, we rush around and give a two or three minute exhortation for you to, you know, to give and to actually uh, worship God with your giving. But just still your hearts right now as you take the money or the check or the tithing offering that you're actually going to give. And just get in touch with your heart. Because the Word of God says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Okay? So when you've got this money there, check your heart. Are you doing it out of obligation? Are you doing it out of tradition that you're actually giving your offering right now? Where's your heart in it? Are you doing it, um, I don't know, out of a sense of duty? Because it's really important how you give. And I really encourage you and exhort you this morning that when you take that money, just take a minute to think about it. Because it's really, really important that when you give that money, you're giving it in faith. Because faith is the essence. Faith is the substance that's actually going to bring it. You know, are you dreaming? Have you got any plans? Are you putting an expectation on God when you give this morning? Well, I hope you have, because that's faith. That's believing. That's pressing in there. So think about it. What are you believing God for? What are you expecting from them when you give this money? It's seed, isn't it? Are you expecting a harvest? Stir your heart. 
put a plead out right now. Send them an email. Dear Lord, this is what I'm believing for. Hallelujah. So stand there as we go and stroke and as the offering come round. And I ask you to, it's by faith. Give it by faith this morning. Hallelujah. Your best days are ahead of you. Woo, great to have everyone here. Man, what a great presence of God. Great presence of God here today. It was a great presence of God here yesterday. We had a wedding here yesterday, and one of my daughters got married, and just was amazing how God just honored her life, her walk with God, and His presence just came in such a wonderful way. And uh, it was just a great joy and a great testimony to many unsaved people to see family life at its best. And uh, just a wonderful thing. You know, you don't always, on the journey, see what you will receive at the end. But, you know, as you just faithfully walk in God's ways. You know, interesting thing, the whole universe is wired to be in harmony with God's ways. Sin brings disharmony. And when we actually align our life with God's ways, blessing is inevitable. Amen? Blessings inevitable. Why would we think God wants a bit worse for us? But God's ways are easy, not hard. God's ways are only hard to sinners. They're not hard to us. They're easy. They're good. And they bring blessing. Amen. Why don't you open your Bible in Genesis chapter 49? Genesis chapter 4. I want to talk about the blessing on Joseph or Joseph blessing. And uh, I want to just share a few things. I started on it a little last week as uh, what a fantastic time we had. Just that birthday celebration. And uh, it's great for us to have milestones in our life that we celebrate. Well, we celebrate good things that God has done in our life. We celebrate people. We celebrate events. People that don't celebrate actually have very little understanding or concept of what heaven is like. Heaven celebrates all the, all the time. It's only on the earth there's misery. And the reason there's misery is because of the devil and his activities and work. And when we let our lives be governed by what's on the earth, when we let our lives be governed by demonic pressure, circumstances, negativity, those kind of things, we can't enter and experience a good thing God has for us. So one of the things is a walk, in your walk with the Lord is to reorient your life around to doing things God's way. He tells us to celebrate, tells us to rejoice, tells us to praise. He loves to come into those things. Last week I started to share with you something about uh, the blessing of Joseph. I want to pick it up again. I want to just develop it a little bit today and uh, because it's uh, very relevant to us as a church. And uh, when the Bible talks about blessing, when God is talking about blessing, I will bless you. Uh, usually in the Bible, when the word uh, blessing is used, it means a word that carries spiritual power. It's a word, something that's spoken, that carries power and life. So, for example, the issue of a cursing. A cursing is a word spoken that carries with it demonic power that continues to destroy until that curse is broken. But blessing is a word particularly a word spoken by God or a word by even people. We can, we're empowered as believers joined to Christ to bless. We can bless people. We can curse them. We can bless them and release the presence of God to work in their life and help them go forward. We can curse them, release demons against them, and hinder them in their walk in their life. We have power to do that. 
And why do we have power to do that? Because we're made in the image of God who was creative and spoke out, let there be, and there was. So you and I have ability in our words to speak words that bless and build or tear down and destroy. Your words can build lives. Your words can destroy lives. Most marriages are destroyed by neglect and careless words, destructive words. Relationships are destroyed by destructive words. So we've got to understand the power there is in blessing. And uh, in the Bible, when God blessed someone, he spoke over them, and there was always a release of power to enable it to continue to work in that person's life. So in the Old Testament particularly, you find that people laid hands and they blessed someone, and that blessing just continued down the family line. The blessing was highly valued. It's tremendously highly valued. That's why Jacob sought the blessing. He knew with God's blessing, the blessing of his father speaking over his life would release power to help his life go forward. He, he coveted it so much, he tricked his dad into giving it, thinking it was given to the other brother. So blessing in the, in the Bible speaks of a word that carries spiritual power. Luke one thirty seven. it says this. It says, no word from God shall be void of power. Or nothing is impossible to God. Some of your Bibles may say. There's a number of renditions of that. One of them, I think the ASV says, no word from God is void of power. So God speaks into our life. Now, today I'm speaking, and as I speak, and your heart is open, God will, in the midst of all the words I speak, say something which will be just for you for today. Many times when I preach the Word of God, a large number of people say, oh, well, I was just reading that this week, or, well, I was already thinking that, or, well, I knew that, I just didn't quite get the words. You gave the words, but I already knew it in here. I had it in here. See, so God's Word, so no Word of God, when God speaks to your life, when God gives a rhema, when God speaks and you personally have a word from Him concerning your future, your life, your direction, or something like that, and it has come from the Spirit of God to your heart, it has power to fulfill itself if you hold and remain attached to what God has said. So the Bible tells us very clearly, our walk is a walk of faith. It's a walk not of ability, not of knowing the next step necessarily, but a walk of believing that God is a good God, that God will stand by His Word, and particularly the rhema words He's spoken, He will fulfill in our life if we hold them and do our part. So when the Bible's talking about blessing, it's talking about God speaking to your life, giving you a promise a picture of your future, some kind of thing for you to lay hold of, and if you lay hold of it and meet any implicit conditions in it, then there is a release of power to change your life. This is why we've got to continually be hearing God. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that God is speaking to us. God is speaking. Not he did speak, he does speak. Are you hearing? So worship opens us up and makes our heart tender to listen and to hear God. Just as you know, in a marriage situation, it's very easy where you get to a point in your marriage where you aren't really hearing one another. You ever know what I'm talking about? You didn't hear me. Often that happens in a relationship. When people don't hear one another, it's because the heart is not connected. The moment you connect the heart, you start to hear where the person's coming from. So you find in a relationship, if the person's heart goes away from you, they never hear what you say, they're not tuned into what you're saying, the problem is not a communication one, it's a heart one. That's why the Bible tells us very clearly uh, about having a soft heart, a tender heart before the Lord, because that's how we hear Him. So we come into His presence with praise, gratitude, worship. So there's worship bowed down. Then it says, an interesting thing, in Psalm 95, today if you want to hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't build resistance in your heart and mind. So God wants to speak to us continually. Revelation is part of walking with God. And it starts when we get a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. So often the thing about words from God is they unfold over our life. One problem with Christians, we keep wanting to get more and more prophecies. You actually don't need lots of prophecies. You just need some words from God to your life that you hold on to and then you walk in those words. What I find is some people have got all these prophecies and nothing much is really happening in their life because they're just addicted to getting someone tell them what God is saying to them instead of actually positioning themselves to listen to God and then hold what God says and then outwork it in the life. 
And many times when God speaks to us, we don't see what he's saying, all of it, not at the one time. How many know that? When God speaks prophetically to you or prophetically to the church, we can, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we think we know what it is, but actually it unfolds over time if you hold on to it. So, for example, the, the, the people in Jesus' day all had the Bible, all knew where Jesus was going to be or where the Savior was going to be born. When he came, they didn't recognize him because it didn't come like they expected. So what happens with prophetic words is, whether it's individual or corporate, it unfolds over the course of time and layers upon layers of that word can unfold. So you don't always see it at the beginning, but when you look back, you see, oh my goodness, oh my, oh, oh, oh. and there's more and more and more. And so we don't need lots of words. We need to actually work out what God has given. And then when we're finished working that out, then he begins to unfold more or deeper things in that word. So one of the most important things that you and I need is revelation from God. We need continual flow of God communicating with us, talking with us. We don't have to ask him, well, why this, why this? What we need to do is, is to begin to just inquire of him how, how he wants us to take the next step. So we'll talk a little bit more about revelation in the next few weeks. I want to share with you something that God gave me, and he gave it to me, and it's a personal word for me. It came some time ago, about 20 years ago, and uh, <laughs> 21 years ago, actually. And I want to just open up the scripture and give you a little more of it. Now, when I got the word, I had no idea what it meant. As time goes on, I look back, I say, oh, that's what it meant. Oh, dear me. <laughs> you don't always know what God means, but as it unfolds, then you see. And one of the words he gave me is out of Genesis chapter 49, verses 22 through to verse 26. Now, I read uh, verse 22 last week, didn't read the whole thing. I only gave you a bit of it, but now I want to give you a bit more. So what I want to do is just go back and have a read. Now, you say, well, this is a word for you. No, 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 this is the Bible. It's the word of God. The word that came to me actually will apply into the DNA and the makeup of the church. So coming in and being a part of Bay City, you'll automatically come into the, the, the spirit dimensions of this word. So what God spoke to me when I began the work here in the Hastings many years ago and Joe and I started, this word continues to outwork. And as I begin to share it with you and show you some of the things it means, you'll begin to realize why certain things are as they are, and you'll also see why certain problems and issues rise continually that we have to stand up and stand against. And you say, well, you know, I don't even belong to this church. That doesn't matter because the Word of God still can come to you, and God can now take the same Word because the promises of God apply to each of us. So, in, uh, for example, in, um, let's have a look in Genesis chapter 49, verse 22. We're going to read the blessing of Joseph. This was the scripture God gave me right at the very beginning when we start here. Now, Joseph is a fruitful bough. And what's happened here is Jacob is coming to the end of his life. He's called his 12 sons in front of him, and now he is prophesying over them. So these words are a prophetic decree, which when you follow the Bible through, you see them unfold. So he makes prophetic decrees. And one of the things that is uh, very clearly a biblical concept, a biblical principle, is fathers can speak prophetically over their children. Natural fathers can speak words of life, encouragement, of destiny into the hearts of their children that go on and on and, and literally empower them to go forward and succeed. That's why dads need to recognize just because you're the dad, for no other reason, not because you're smarter than your wife or anything else, but because you're the father, you have the power to speak words of life or death and they will carry an authority and a weight which words that your wife speak may not have because you're the father and the children take identity from their father and fathers are called to speak words that bless and build. So one of the greatest hungers that exists in a younger generation is for fathers to speak words into their lives. For a father to say, I believe in you. For fathers say, I see this in you. I see that you could become this. I see you. Don't be limited by small things and small people. You could stand up. You could go further than that. Now, when those words are spoken by Father, they have more power than anyone else in the world. And many of you here today suffer and have suffered because fathers never had those words or what they said were words of failure, defeat, and literally cursed you. Those words are hard to flee from. And it takes a real work of the Spirit of God to get us free of negative words spoken by a father, spoken by a teacher, spoken by authority figures, which have pursued us like curses to undermine and erode what we do. But when fathers stand up and begin to speak, now that works naturally, works spiritually. 
So we need to recognize that we have power to speak words. When you got born again and became joined to Jesus Christ, then you have power to speak words that bring forth life. You may not think like the words sound like anything much, but they can bring life to people, tremendous life to people. So I want you to see here Genesis uh, 49, verse 22. Now, Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the word, the wall. Now, you notice what, jo- what uh, he begins to talk to him. He begins to talk identity. One of the roles of a father is to speak into their children who they are, to identify their gifts, identify and help them go forth into life. One of it's a biblical concept of fathering. And so when a child is young, they draw to the mother and they're nurtured by a mother. As they grow into teenage years, they naturally go towards their father. What they're looking for is identity. They're looking to go out of nurture and dependency into standing up and having a clear, this is who I am and where I go. And so you notice there when there's a wedding, for example, the, the woman takes on the husband's name. See, it's coming through. The, now, it's not that the man is better or anything like that. It's just God's pattern, just the way God does. Now, I want you to see this. He says he, he begins to prophesy over him who he is. Joseph, you are a fruitful bough. And in case you didn't get it, I'm going to say it again. A fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. Who am I? Who am I? Am I a sinner? Who am I? Am I a failure? Who am I? Now that's a question you've got to answer. Because if you don't answer it according to what God says, you'll answer it a different way. Now most of us, when we face with the question, who am I, answer it out of our past. Well, this is who I am. I'm a failure. I, I have all these things that follow after me. I have all these kind of issues or problems. Most of us, when we try to answer the question of who we are, we have a mental concept, a mental picture that goes back and draws on our past. It draws on what we were like growing up. It draws on what people said about us. It draws upon our experiences. But when you and I come to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you and I become a new creation. The old is cut off. That's why you got baptized. You went down into the waters of baptism. You were buried. There is a new person coming out, a new identity, a new born-again person, a new Jesus type of person. Now, if we don't identify with the new one, we will identify with the old. That's why many Christians can't produce fruit, because they're continually identifying with the old. Well, I'm this. Well, I'm not much good at that. Now listen, where did you get that stuff from? That is the past. Any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away, all things have become new. And so now, we don't live for ourselves, we live for another. When you got born again, you become grafted to a new life source, you are a fruitful tree. That's who you are. You are a fruitful tree. Who are we? We're a fruitful tree. You see, if you just say, well, I'm not much good, I don't do this, you're not answering right. Faith calls things to be not as though they are, and that positions us to begin to receive it. When God said to Abram, Abram, who are you? He said, well, I'm Abram. He says, no, you're Abraham, the father of nations. You will I'm... 90 years old, and my wife's about 90 years old. She stopped having any kind of hope of having kids, and I'm not doing too good myself. The natural. The natural. But you see, you're not limited by the natural. See, unsafe people are limited by the natural. We're not. We have access to the spirit realm. We have access to dimensions of God. We have access to what God says about us. So God calls them Abraham. And you know what he says? I want you to go around calling yourself Abraham. So every time they saw this old man with an old wife and no kids and said, who your name is, what is your name? He said, Abraham, father of nations. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, what's your name? Abraham, the father of nations. In case he just forgot it, God took him out and said, look up the stars. He said, see that? Yeah, I see it. He says, now hold that picture every night when you look up there. Father of nations, Father of nations, Father of nations. I want you to fix the picture inside. When you look down, look at that. What do you see? I see sand. I want you to hold that picture there. He said, what are you going to do this? I'm going to give you multitudes of children. So when he got up and saw the sand, Abraham, multitude of nations. Going to bed at night, looked at the stars. Abraham, multitude of nations, Father of many nations. In other words, he had to 
align on the inside with what God was saying about him, not with his circumstances or natural things. That's the walk of faith. It's a walk you and I need to take up where we no longer begin to confess and speak and think and meditate out of failure, defeat, those kind of things. We begin to take God's word and what God says about me, this is the truth. I won't look at my natural circumstances. You see, there was a season between when God said it and his holding that word until the fulfilling of that word, but eventually it was fulfilled. And you have to look over in the Middle East now, see, multitudes and multitudes of people all over the world, multitudes of people that come from Abraham and all call Abraham their father. But you know, how did it get to be like that? When we look in the papers, we see about Israel and we see about Jews all over the world and we see about Arabs. How did it get to be like that? Because God gave a word and in that word was power to bring fulfillment. And a man held that word, pictured that word, confessed that word, and eventually that word became flesh and manifested. We see it today and we don't realize we're called to follow that man. He is the father of faith, so we're called to be like that. So when God speaks about your life, he speaks not to where you've come from, not to what you were, not to what people say you were or say you are or say you're like. People can look and say you're blooming hopeless. You're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, uh, you're, you're a homosexual, you're this, you're that. People can look and all they see is what you are. But God looks and he sees according to his destiny, according to his eternal purposes. He purposed before you entered the world. He didn't get you arrive and then thought up a plan. Before you arrived, he had a destiny. Who are you? Who are you? You need to answer it because people will tell you you're nothing. You're nobody. You can't do this. You can't do that. He said, who says? God says, I'm this. I say, I'm this as well. What did he say? Joseph, fruitful tree. Who am I? Fruitful tree. I'm a fruitful tree. I am by a well and I go over the wall. What does that mean? Very, very simple. The word fruitful tree means literally this. The word fruitful means one that bears fruit, one that grows, ones that increases. And the word tree is the word, or branch, is the word ben, a builder of the house of God. Who am I? I'm a fruitful, ever-increasing builder of the people of God. Who am I? A fruitful, ever-increasing builder of the people of God. Who am I? A fruitful, ever-increasing builder of the people of God. Who am I? That's who I am. It's not who you say. It's what he says. Fruitful, increasingly fruitful, going from strength to strength, builder of the people of God. That's who I am, and that's who you are. You say, well, I don't do that kind of stuff. But you could, if you agreed with God. Because part of the spiritual life and DNA of the church, the house. You're called to be fruitful. You're called to be fruitful. You're called to be productive. You're called to be a builder of people, a builder of the house of God. There's not one person here who isn't called to do it. The only thing is whether you choose to believe, embrace, and walk in that or not. That's the difference. People make choices. They choose to agree with the past. They choose to agree with an old lifestyle. They choose to agree with demons. They choose to agree with old soulish bondages and ties instead of saying, I am who God says I am. I am a fruitful tree. I'm a fruitful, productive, ever-increasing, going forward, builder of the lives of people. Once you know who you are, it'll change what you do. Once you know who you are, it changes what you do. See? Most people try to work out, they do things to become something. If I just do this, then I'll become this. If I just do that, I'll become that. Now God says, this is who you are. Now begin to do that kind of stuff. What does he call you? He calls you and me, fruitful builder of the house of God. What else is By a well. A well, that word well means an eye, a fountain. It means to have sharp mental perception. Literally gives two pictures, and I'll say what it means in a moment. It means literally two things. Number one, a well, a source of life. And number two, that gives the ability to see. It speaks of prophetic mantle. A life-giving realm of prophetic flow of the Spirit of God that enables us to see what others don't see, that enables us to move in spirit dimensions. So who are we? 
well, we're a fruitful tree. We're an ever-increasingly fruitful builder of the house of God. Who are we? We're people who are by a well. We have a well of prophetic anointing and life. We can draw on it and we can see things others don't see. You say, well, I don't do that. And you don't do that because you haven't agreed with it yet. You'll never do anything until you actually agree with what God says about you. There's a prophetic anointing in this house. Every person that comes in as a part of this church develops quickly the capacity. Or they come under a mantle anointing. What is it? It's anointing in the house. What is anointing on my life? It's the Joseph anointing. And it enables you to see. You actually see or you hear or prophetically you flow. But it's real easy to do it in this church. It's your heritage to do it in this church. It's a part of who you are. See, most people think they come and they just join a church. Come on. That's not what God has. You've got a wrong concept of it all. God says we join a family. We join a body of people. We join a body that's called the body of Christ, an expression of the life of God. And every local church has a different and unique expression of the life of God, depending on how God has wired up that church to express His life. That's why we express it in certain ways. Because it's wired in us to do it. Notice when there's a prophet terms up, everyone will come out of the woodwork. Why? Because that's who we are. We're wired. Suddenly something starts to move prophetically. Immediately people's ears go up. They begin to want and hunger and grow. Why? Because that's who we are. The prophetic flow calls people near to God. Why do we have services like we do? It's part of who we are. We call people near to God. We want to encounter God. We want to hear God. We want sin in our life to be broken away so we can be near to God. Why? It's who we are. It's who we are. It's not something we do. It's who we are. And when we do and who we are, man, we're happy people. You'll learn who you are in Christ, who you are as a part of a church. You become part of another church, then you'll take on another DNA. And you'll change who you are. Or you'll be in conflict. That's why many people leave here and they wander around, they can't find a place of rest. Because they can't, they're searching for what they found here, which they were born into. They don't belong anywhere else, they belong here. That's why it's real trouble for them. I tell you over and over and over. It's got nothing to do with how people leave or anything like that. It's got all to do with what God's birthed into your spirit. And when you're wired in your spirit like this, you automatically have a hunger to be fruitful. You don't know why it is, but if you're not being fruitful, you get frustrated. If you don't see something happening and growing, you just feel, whoa. Other people come to church, go home, don't care, but not you, because there's something in you, in your DNA that says, I got to produce, I got to be fruitful. I can't let my life go by and nothing happen. And I got I to see something built. I, I just can't maintain. My, naturally, I hate maintaining anyway. I like building. They, it's just natural. I like building. I see the new one come up. Man, we see something. I see a fence go up. Oh, yes. We're built. Built. It's wired in to do it. You begin to build. You start to feel fulfilled. You go out and make something happen, and you, there was nothing there, and you make something there. Then you really feel great fulfillment. Why? Because it's wired into our spiritual DNA to do that. And once you've bonded into the life flow of the Spirit in here, you'll have that feeling you want to do those things too. See, the prophetic anointing. Who are we? We're by a well. We have prophetic flow. Why? We love to hear God. We love to be near God. Someone comes who can bring God. We're all out and we want to be there. God doesn't turn up in the meetings. We get bored. Go home say, that was a hopeless meeting. I didn't like that. I didn't feel God at all. Sometimes people don't know what it was. They just say, I just feel bad. They don't realize there was no breakthrough, so therefore they didn't feel the touch of God. So what, they were, what they'd come for, they didn't get, so they'd go back feeling bad. See, it's all to do with what God has wired into us. Eh? When you see all my family, you, see the, you can tell they're all my family. You just take one look at them, so you know where they've come from. You see my brother, both my brothers, boy, you know that they're my brothers. Take one look, so I can see who they are. My brother in Australia, his, uh, his daughter, she's uh, not really met many of our family. She's, they've just been away for many years overseas. She came back. She couldn't get over how much alike I am like her father. And then, and then the brother, she, the, the other members of the family, she couldn't get over the, how, the, how similar they are. Why? It's, it's DNA, DNA, DNA. It's the building pattern God built in. 
You have to understand it's quite unique. It gets like this. It's quite unique. It's built by a vow. So, so, so what have we got? Well, here we got. We've got a sonship spirit over us that wants to build family and to build the church. That's, about, that's what's in there. When you're building, you're happy. When you're not building and you're tearing down, you're unhappy. Okay? And when we're in the flow of God and we're getting near to God and, and we're hearing God and we're working with the gifts of the Spirit and flowing prophetically, then we're happy. When we're not having that happen, we feel unhappy. I don't feel touched by God, connected to God. I feel very unhappy. I'm wired that way. It's in me. So I've got to be what I am. See, when, you, when you've learned to be secure in who you are, you don't have to be anyone else. You can just be who you are. See, people try to copy methods, but it's not the methods. It's the life flow and being who we are. But if you don't know who you are, you'll try to be something else. See? Notice here it says, whose branches run over the wall. That word branch is the word daughters or offspring or, or, or outreach or villages. The wall means something that contains or limits. And so, you know, it says, Joseph, a fruitful bough, fruitful bough, planted by well, his branches run over the wall. Notice that that's a whole speak that speaks of the apostolic flow in the church, the missionary spirit to send. In, you know, in all the years we've been here, we have never been limited to just what was in here. You see, you can't contain. We're not called to be contained. Joseph isn't contained. The moment you put a wall, he wants to climb over the wall. The moment someone says you can't do that, you want to do it. Isn't that true? When we first came here, you can't do that. Well, we just did. It works. It's great. When we were moving in deliverance, I had pastors ring up. You can't do that. You can't. I said, well, I'm doing it, and I love doing it, and I've had so much fun doing it, I'm not going to stop. Now, you see, containment comes in many. I hate the spirit of containment because it's so anti-God, and it's so not how I'm wired. Containment is when you're locked in and you can't grow, expand. Where, you, where, you, where you're just in your comfortable little world instead of continually overflowing outwards. So, see, to go over the wall means an abundance. We're abundant. And what it means is being generous. Generous, not clicky. Clicky is being walled. Abundant is being welcoming. If you're clicky, I hate clicky. I'm not wired for clicky. It's just not the wiring. So as soon as people get selective and narrow, I get reactionary immediately. I'm not wired like that. God has given us a spirit of abundance and generosity and graciousness and goodness. That's part of who we are. The moment you start flowing in that, then you find, you'll start to find fulfillment. The moment you build walls and try and protect yourself and guard your little bit, then you'll start to wither. You can't ever be happy when you're like that because it's not how we're wired. It's not how God has made us. So from the beginning, we've always had people going out somewhere. We'll always have people going out there while that anointing is over the church, while that mantle is here. You can't contain. I've never been able to be contained. Once I got out of the Catholic Church and saw the walls of denominationalism, how they disunited the body of Christ and contained people, I have had an aversion to anything like that, no matter what label they put on it. Catholic or Methodist or Assemblies of God or Pentecostal, no matter what they say, whatever it is, I can't stand it because it's not God. We're not called to be contained. The kingdom of God, the Bible says, of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. So therefore that God has in mind, increase, 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 increase. Stop measuring everything out. Figure out how you can increase, how you can grow, how you can include more people in. See, religious people exclude. Religious people draw the line, saved, unsaved, in, out. And if you think like that, then mentally and from the heart when you approach people, they will feel they're out. You can't win them. See, you have to be not contained. You've got to grow out of the little group. You've got to grow out beyond ourselves continually. So missions, going to other nations, 
is a continued reflection of Joseph that we won't be contained. Our branches go over the wall, we go out. It's what we do. Why? Because that's who we are. We go. We go. Now, if you don't go, and I'm not talking about actually going to the mission field, but if you don't get a going spirit where you go out and try to extend the kingdom of God, you'll never be happy. Because it's the way we're wired. When we go out, then we're happy. There's something fulfilled in our life when we do what we're called to do. Called, when you live out who you're called to be, then you feel fulfilled. Now, there's lots of expressions of how the generosity can take place, how giving can take place, how going out can take place, but every one of us is called to do that. So it's not those three things. Builder of the house, ever-increasing builder of the house, influencing people, discipling people, shaping people, building people to be great men and women of God, building families. When you're a builder, building your life, building yourself to be a godly man, building others to be godly young men. When you're building, you're going to find fulfillment. When you're flowing prophetically, you're going to find fulfillment. When you're going, you're going to find fulfillment because there's something God said over the church, over me. You know what? Everywhere I go, it'll be the same. Because I don't have to make it happen. It's just in me. It just flows over. So long as I'm being myself and not contained by what others want. The moment you're contained by what others want, you can never be yourself. And God does not want you to be like someone else. He wants you to be you. And when we become part of a corporate body, we take on these things of, of, of productive of building, of moving prophetically, of going out and being abundant and generous, but you've all got your own expressions of it through your own personality. But once we're doing those things, it's who we are. You feel fulfilled when you're doing it. Now, so I'll just finish the last couple of things then. And it says, now the archers have surely shot at him and wounded him. So there's a couple of other things come with this. The first thing that comes is this blessing. Uh, there's their identity. Second thing that comes is conflict. Notice what it says. The archers have surely grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. Now, this is one thing that happened with Joseph. Joseph was envied by others who saw what he had and they wanted it. Now, what, he got what he had from God. They just didn't get that from God, so they wanted to kill the one who had it from God. Now, you'll find when the church and when individuals and we move in the anointing, there will be reaction. Now, there are two things the Bible tells us out of that verse, and they have continually pushed against us all as long as I can ever remember. As long as I can ever remember. Now, notice it says the archers have shot at him and grieved or wounded him and have hated him. So demonic powers hate what is upon our lives and upon the church. They hate it. So one thing we've faced over the years continually is demonic pressure to shut down, be quiet, stop being so noisy, stop being so extrovert, stop going out, stop giving, stop casting out demons, stop doing unusual things, just conform and be like everyone else. You say, no, we won't do that. Like David, we'll jump higher, we'll shout louder, we'll clap louder. Probably some of you may even think that about the youth. Why are they up there jumping up and down, shouting, clapping? Well, Jesus said, well, you try and stop it, even the stones will yell out. See, now the thing is, this is part of who we are. It's an expression of who we are. You don't try and stop who you are. You become religious and you're not flowing in who you are. Any idea? It says the second thing that comes... Apart from demonic, that's why you notice we're committed continually to push against the spiritual atmosphere with strong prayer, strong music, strong prayer, everything's strong. Why? Because we know that there's continued pressure from the spirit dimension to shut you down so you just become half-hearted, apathetic, just another pew warmer. God doesn't call it. We're not called to do that. That's not who we are. Oh, no. No, 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 no. We're called to do something. We're called to build. We're called to grow. We're called to hear and flow in the Holy Ghost. We're called to go over the wall and go out and do something different. When you're doing it, it's great. And I've seen some wonderful people go out in this church and do great things. Young people, old people, even Uncle Tar. How is it that a 76-year-old gets out and goes to missions and gets up? He's up earlier than everyone praying. How does that happen? It's who he is. How is it that Bill there falls off a ladder and still he gets up and even though he limps, he's still carrying Bibles and going out into China? It's who he is. See, when we flow with who we are, life is much easier for us because we're going with how God's wired us. We're ourselves. It's what makes the problem of evangelism so, 
so difficult. If you don't realize we're called to embrace and love people and just make them welcome and go outside, then what will happen is you'll see evangelism as something you have to do rather than actually the expression of who we are. You just go out and be kind to people and love people and connect with them and say hello and, you know, hugged a homosexual yesterday. Isn't that good? See, see, some of you have got to worry already, eh? (laughs) Worried already. See, does what you know about people stop you loving them and welcoming them? Or has that knowledge of what the person's like become a wall and you can't go over it? That's not who we are. We go over walls like that. Someone's weird, go over and give them a hug. Say, man, that looks awesome, you know, and the hair's all done up and it's got pink and things in it, spikes everywhere. Boy, that's original. You could at least say that. Well, you never thought of it. Well, you've got to be, th- you've got to be see, it's, 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 the attitude you have to people. That wins them. He that wins souls is wise. You've got to have a wisdom. I, mean, I saw someone there had all these, these things, you know, so much iron. I said, man, that's original. Never seen so much iron. Do you make the bells go up when you go through the plane thing? Yeah. I said, I wish you could be there to see that. Empty your pockets. They have all your clothes off and you're still ringing the bells because you've got all the iron in your head. Come on, it's all about having the right attitude, the right spirit, isn't it, eh? Joseph goes over. And so the second thing about that, and I'll just finish with this, is this, apart from that strong spirit pressure, the Bible says that the archers have sorely with Now, the archer is somebody who fires an arrow. Oh, I love seeing some of those old movies when they fire the arrows, you know just amazing you know I watched one that gladiator and you see them there and they just fire the whole line of them there they line up and they fire the arrows and you see the whole sky darkened with arrows and then you know those arrows that went up are going to come down somewhere and woe betide if you're standing there and you haven't got a shield to protect yourself you're you're going to have one in the leg one in the arm one in the eye one in the head you're going to get hit with an arrow now the bible talks about arrows being bitter words Bitter words. Psalm 68, I think. They, uh, they, they shot their arrows, even bitter words. Bitter words. Words which are critical and negative carry death. And a lot of well-meaning people speak critically, speak negatively. Unfortunately, in the church here, even at times, people speak negatively and critically. Does everything go right? No, it doesn't. I don't want everything to go right. That's got you worried, hasn't it? Why not? Because we carry a Savior who makes things right. And if I have to have everything here right, where's the risk? See, the government's trying to make everything so you've got no risks. The kingdom of God is all about taking risks. And risks mean you may get it right and you may fail. The, con- the thing I've got concerned about is not whether we get it right or wrong. It's whether we're willing to take the risks and step out whether there's an environment that supports you doing it whether it shoots you down the moment ah, I knew when you got out of that boat you'd sink look at you, you're all wet you know what, that man got out of the boat he walked on the water and I'd rather be the man that walked on the water got wet and got back up again and got walking again and had a miracle in my life than all of those who sat in the boat and said I knew it wouldn't work See, that's what the church has become over the years. The church got to break out of all of that. We've got to take the mentality to have a go is great. See, I can, can you feel that in the atmosphere? Did you feel that? The prevailing thinking is not to have a go is great. To play it safe is great is the prevailing thinking. And you don't ever walk with God playing it safe. Now, a lot of people in their personality are wired to want things to be safe and predictable. I understand that. We're not talking about being crazy or doing stupid things. We're talking about actually breaking out of comfort zones and taking a calculated risk to walk with God and believe to do things we've never done before. And that needs an environment of support, not an environment of shooting arrows. See, religious spirits shoot arrows. Religious spirits mobilize you. So one of the things you want to do is guard the lips and the mouth. Better to say nothing than to fire arrows that destroy something God is building. Lest you find you're fighting against God and didn't even know it. 
And you'll come to church wishing for God's blessing and not knowing why it's not there, not realizing that when we shoot arrows against one another, when we criticize one another, and maybe they're wrong and we're right, but God isn't worried about whether you're right. He wants to know whether you love them or not. And when you love people, they do make mistakes. You still love them and get a call, get up and have another go. You can do it. I know you can do it. Call, get up and have another go. You can break out. You can do that. You see, it's within that environment that we can go forward. So Joseph, the Bible says very clearly, because of the gift, because of the call, because of the anointing, what happens is there's a spiritual pressure comes and the key weapon is accusations and criticisms and judgments. Make sure you're not among those who are shooting the arrows, but rather those who are part of Joseph. Building, increasing, flowing in the prophetic, going over the wall and having a go. What a great destiny. And I can feel the spiritual resistance already come up. How many could feel it come up? You wonder where it's ever come from. It's because spiritual powers use the way we think as a gateway to launch arrows through our mouth to people. And when you shoot off negative words and someone else you talk with and you gossip and you all talk about someone else, what happens is you come into agreement on earth and that releases out of heaven an evil spirit to then trouble and oppress that person until either the curse is broken or the person stands up. So get this, the person who steps out has not just got to get over their own fears, they've got to also counter the resistance that comes from where it shouldn't come from out of the spirit world against them because a brother or sister rose up and shot against them. We can't allow that. We have to determine that one thing will hinder our destiny more than anything. So therefore we declare, no one, I'll never come into agreement with anyone speaking negatively about anyone in my church or leadership. I will not come into agreement with this thing. I will not allow that arrow to be fired against them. Why? Because we are all committed to be what God called us to be. Joseph's! Do you get hurt when arrows come? Sure you do. That's part of the call. You've got to learn how to handle it. Uh, maybe share some other aspects. I want you to share, look through the rest of it, and you'll find in the rest of it are some unusual promises that God makes to us if we will walk in our destiny and be Joseph. Tremendous promises God has for us, and every one of them you can take hold of. Your bow will remain strong. Yes, your hands and arms will be strengthened by the Lord. Yes, the blessings of heaven will be upon you. Yes, the blessing from the deep will be yours. Yes, increase and enlargement will be yours. But you've got to make it yours. It doesn't just come naturally. Father, we just thank you for the power of your spirit calling every one of us to come to a whole new level. We thank you for who we are. Thank you, Lord. We're Joseph. Thank you, Lord. We're a fruitful bough. We're a fruitful branch. We're fruitful builders. We thank you, Lord. People get built around us, not torn down. We thank you, Lord, for the prophetic anointing on us. We hear you and we bring prophetic things. We bring people near to God. Wherever we go, we bring God near to people. We thank you, Lord, for that apostolic sending spirit on us that wants to go into the community into the schools, into the government into the business field, into nations, anywhere that we could get out and go over the wall. Lord there's something in us, rise up and says don't hold me back, don't you hold me down don't you put restrictions around me say you can't, don't me hold me down I'm not like that, I'm Joseph, Joseph doesn't get held down, Joseph goes over the wall and Joseph ends up in a place of being able to provide for others that's who we are Lord Listen, while our eyes are closed and heads about, is there any person here today that came and you don't know Jesus Christ? You are separated from the one who can change your life, give you an eternal destiny and a life and a purpose that's worth living for. But friend, to come to him, you need to acknowledge the reality and the truth is you are separated from him at this point by sin and only a decision on your part to respond to God's goodness, to receive Jesus Christ can change that. Listen, when you get joined to Jesus Christ, His Spirit comes in. Your life begins to change. You're connected to God. You're connected to your destiny. You're connected to who you're called to be. That's why you've been so miserable all your life. That's why you had so many struggles. You've not been connected to God. You could be connected to God today. One decision to everyone who received Him, He gave power to become a child of God. Just while our eyes are closed and heads about, is there any person sitting here today that says, Today's my day. I'm going to become a Christian. Give my heart to Jesus. Quickly just raise your hand if there's any person here today. Just like that. Just raise your hand so I can see any person. Is there any person here today who would say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Any person here today, quickly raise your hand. 
Quickly raise your hand. Quickly raise your hand. Is there any person here today? Man, we need to do something about that. Father, let a spirit of enlargement come upon every one of us to break out and go over the wall in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Come back tonight. We've flown again in prophetic and sing what God will do. Who knows what God will do? But we'll have a go. Isn't that right, Bill? Have a go. Well, I tell you what, next week we're going to talk about missions. Next week we've got about 48 orphans. We want to find someone to care for them, give them a home. Actually, only 43 because seven of them have already gone. And uh, I think another three will at least have gone by next week. Then we're going to talk about missions. What Bill, man, why don't you go and join Bill on a trip to China? Boy, that'll be going over the wall, won't it? You hope you don't get locked in behind the walls. <laughs> okay, then. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have an awesome day, everyone. Our visitors pop up says have a cup of coffee. We'll see you tonight or next week.